Hello and welcome to Between the Tees, the knowledge sharing program from Texas Bank and Trust. I'm your host, Aaron May. So what do we do when life throws our finances for a tailspin? Do we have a plan in place for how we will pay our bills and make other necessary purchases during a financial crisis? If the last three years have taught us anything, is that the world we live in can change in an instant. The COVID-19 pandemic caused a massive shift in our economy as businesses shut down and the world sheltered in place for weeks, if not months, on end. As life began to return to normal, the ripple effects through our economy are still being felt today through shipping delays and higher costs of, well, basically everything. As I was evaluating how to discuss financial emergencies, I reflected on how medical emergencies are handled in a hospital or at the scene of an accident. First responders use a method called triage to determine the best course of action in order to help the most people. This involves a clear set of priorities, beginning with how to control an open wound to stop the bleeding, followed by how to treat other less severe injuries. This led me to ask the question, how do we use this same model to handle our finances during a crisis? How do we implement a financial triage as we move through a difficult time? So this is our topic today, and to dive into this discussion with me, I'm once again joined by my co-host for this series, Blake Bradshaw, and our guest, Rochelle Carter. Blake is an assistant vice president and lending portfolio manager for Texas Bank and Trust. He also serves as a financial coach, helping individuals understand their personal financial situations and tailor a budget that fits their needs. Rochelle is a Vice President and Deposit Operations Manager for Texas Bank and Trust. Her years of experience in accounting, as well as personal life experience raising teenage boys, gives her a unique perspective on budgeting, especially as it relates to young adults. But before we dive in, please remember that the information we'll be discussing today is for educational purposes only. Every financial situation is different, so please speak to a trained professional about your personal financial situation. So let's jump right in. Blake and Rochelle, thank you guys again for being on the program. So as we face financial difficulties, what can we do to prevent ourselves from feeling like we've lost control? You know, first, uh, it's never too soon to seek help. Yeah. You know, it's it's difficult uh, to admit we're in finance, we're in the financial business, you know, but we also have financial problems, right? Yeah. And so um, you got to kind of use the uh, the saying that, you know, sometimes physicians are the worst patients. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And no matter if you're in college and, and you put yourself in a position that you're trying to prove yourself to your parents or you're in a certain profession, you feel like you should look a certain way or know uh, certain things. Um, it's it's OK to admit that you have a problem. It's yeah. OK. I mean. Because the last thing you want is for that problem to multiply. Absolutely. Right. And so to, to seek seek help, you know, and, and you can even address it just like, hey, I may be early in this problem, um, but do you see something potential happening yeah. that could be really bad? Right. Yeah. Watch I mean, out for those red flags. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you notice it, uh, then then it's probably already gotten to, to a position that that you need. You need some emergency help. Absolutely. Um, reason this topic to me is so important because many people today are living life, building their finances on a razor's edge. There's an article that I found from fortune.com that indicates that more than half of Americans live with little to no savings at all. And if they faced even a $1,000 emergency, it would it could nearly bankrupt them. I mean, that gets even worse when you look at the younger generations. It says more than 80% of Gen Z and millennials are likely to worry about emergency expenses. I mean, that's that's pretty startling. We need to be thinking about this more clearly when it comes to preparing for financial emergencies. So what do we do when a, when a crisis hits? Well, I think uh, the beginning when you were talking about COVID and what an unexpected and unexplainable crisis that everyone 
faced. Yeah. You know, so sometimes financial crises only involve you and your family, but COVID really was something that every single person in America was affected by, and even in other countries. And a lot of the 18 to 25-year-olds were impacted more so because they are in the industry of restaurants, movies, some of those introductory level um, work that was no longer there, completely dried up. And so it wasn't just an emergency. It was that their income came to a screeching halt because not only was the restaurant not there, the movies weren't there. There was no way for them to even get a paycheck. And so I think we had to learn to come together. I know we did as a financial institution to figure out how to come together and support our community. Um, But helping them bounce back from zero. Yeah. Because it's one thing to be in a deficit. It's another thing to all of a sudden have nothing coming in. Yeah. Um, And so how do you help them survive coming back from zero and and realizing that, okay, you've just got to maybe the car goes back. Maybe you move back in with your parents, a couple of buddies. Maybe you have to now move in together and become roommates. Yeah. And so I think that's what everybody had to learn a new strategy when you have no income. Yeah. Because it wasn't just a lack of income. It was no income. And so you really started seeing a lot of people um, either move back in with their parents or, like I said, take up roommates or different things to figure out, okay, we once had two incomes. How do we share half of one income? Right. You know, also something people can prepare for these uh, with adequate insurance. Yeah. Making sure you've got the right insurance. So um, recently, you know, we had a tree fall on our house from the storm damage back in June of 23. And because we had adequate home insurance and we also had an emergency savings for deductibles, um, when that failed, we have got, we've got an emergency savings that covers the deductible and we've got good insurance um, that's going to cover the damage, you know? And so um, that helps uh, kind of spread the risk out. Yeah. Um, and then there's comfort in knowing that all of this isn't coming out of our pocket. Like right. We're not having to try to figure out how we're going to finance the repair of the roof and the kitchen and the laundry room and the back porch and all of these things. And uh, so, you know, having having making sure that you've got adequate insurance and there's there's websites you can go to, to you know, whether it's identity theft, uh, whether it's um, natural disasters or so renter's insurance. If you're in an apartment or home insurance car insurance, uh, making sure that you, you have an, an agent that you can call when you need it. Absolutely. That's one of the things I know, you know, we have these regional storms around here in East Texas that uh, can knock out power for days on end and you lose everything in your refrigerator and in your freezer. And then you have to basically start all over. Some people think they're prepared because they'll have their meat stored up in their freezer to last during a crisis but then what if that mm. crisis kills your power do you have something set of do you have a generator you know we have to prepare so many different levels of things just for dealing with our daily lives you know sometimes we don't think about that for our mind for our money as well yeah and uh so um definitely insurance is a great thing there's a lot of and i think one of the biggest points that comes out of this is that a lot of emergencies aren't necessarily emergencies if we have proper planning Mm. Um, but there are some emergencies that you cannot plan, plan for. COVID totally threw everybody for a loop. Um, recovering after a hurricane, stuff like that, that happens down on the coasts. I mean, that's something that uh, that can be devastating for people because their entire lives are thrown out of out of whack. The, the company they worked for may have got damaged, may be closed, may not may never reopen. Now they have to find a new job. If you don't have any money set aside in savings, or if you don't have a plan for what you're going to do in that type of crisis situation. Um, what should only be a temporary setback can turn into a major catastrophe. Yeah. You mentioned uh, 
some emergencies really aren't emergencies, but anytime I see a low balance or a negative balance, it feels like an emergency. Right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but identifying, you know, like what was the cause of this emergency? Yeah. You know, like, um, and not playing the blame game, not, not saying, well, this is because so-and-so didn't do their part. Or right. This is because of some, some, someone else, but owning it, you know, accepting the responsibility is I think one of the first steps and be like, okay, this is my problem. Yeah. Right. How do I fix it? Right. What was the cause of this? The How buck do- literally stops with you. Like, yeah. Where did you not plan ahead or where can you plan ahead for next time? Because mm-hmm. you know, it's going to happen again. It might not be the same, but something else may happen that'll put you in the same situation. So how do we plan ahead for that? Yeah. And so I, go ahead. I think that that's the, uh, in this discussion, that's probably it because yes, the buck stops with us and we've got to plan, but nobody could plan for the snowstorm right. that came in 2021. Right. And it didn't matter if you had a savings account set aside. It didn't matter how well of a budget you had for a week. Everything was shut down. Yeah. And nobody could do anything. So even if you're working and have a budget if you can't get to work all of a sudden mm-hmm. there's no check coming because there was no job to go to right so that's not really something that the buck kind of stops with me that happened to me it really yeah. did happen right there was nothing i could do about it and so it's a temporary situation that you just got to learn how do we come back from that exactly and so I think kind of when we're talking about how do we stop the bleeding from those unexpected situations, the storms that we just had in June, Mm -hmm. that who would expect in June of all times to have such a storm like we had to come through East Texas that knocked out people's utilities for a week. Now suddenly you have to get a hotel room. You suddenly have to eat out because there is no electricity for you to go to your deep freezer or there's nothing in the store for you to go buy. Right. So where you didn't have in your budget uh, a restaurant line item, suddenly you have to go to the restaurant because that is your only choice. Absolutely. And so it's a temporary crisis that probably will put a little, you know, a little dent in what your budget was. And you just have to say, okay, this is what it was. How long is it going to take me to get back on track yeah. from this unexpected emergency? Absolutely. So when we're dealing with these unexpected financial emergencies, I try and evaluate it kind of like thinking of how a EMT worker evaluates a car accident or thinking of how a hospital has to deal with uh, emergency crisis situations when they come in the door. First thing they have to do is identify what happened? What uh, is the most important situation going on here? Like if there's someone who's um, bleeding profusely and someone who has a broken leg, first thing you want to do is stop the bleeding. You can deal with a broken leg and all that stuff later, but first thing you want to do is make sure that the blood is what pumps through the heart. And if you lose the blood, then the heartbeat stops. So you got to deal with the most important things first. And so when it comes to financial triage, I'm looking at how do we manage our finances in that same type of way where all of a sudden the money flow has stopped. If the money flow has stopped, what do I need to do right now to make sure that I still have a roof over my head, I can still provide food for my family, I can still have transportation to get to and from work or look for work if if the money stopped from a loss of job. So I think that's one of the most important things that we need to think about here. And I think financial triage to me is defined by having a clear, structured set of priorities and also making sure that one of your priorities is to put money into an, into an emergency fund, into an account that's specifically set aside. In the event that your monthly income is taken away, you can still cover those important things or handle uh, a hotel room when you, can't, when you can't stay in your own house because your house is damaged or uh, you don't have power, you need to go somewhere how do you how are you going to pay for that? 
you know, having money set aside in an emergency fund that you can pull from, which according to the statistics shows that a lot of people don't. And a lot of people set themselves up for a massive financial crisis because they didn't take the steps ahead of time. And so I think us evaluating this conversation will give us the ability to one, help ourselves and also help our audience to think things through to the point of, you may not know when the next COVID is going to hit, but you can definitely set aside some money to buy the things you need in that moment. That's one of the goals of having clear priorities. It lets you know what you can cut whenever push comes to shove, but also lets you know that you're going to be, you're going to be okay. Gives you that, that sense of peace. So let's discuss some of that. Like what are some of the things that causes people to, to be out of sync whenever an emergency comes? Why do emergencies throw our lives out of, out of touch? I think one of the first things is because people, um, they completely ignore the fact that emergencies do happen. Yeah. That that is a reality, kind of like what you just said. We don't know when the next storm is coming through East Texas, but we do know that it's uh, likely that it's coming sooner than what we think. Yeah. Uh, that an emergency, that's part of life. Emergencies are part of life. Unexpected things are part of life. And dealing with the reality that it's not uh, if it will happen, but when it will happen, and being conscious enough that um, I heard someone say, you don't plan uh, for war during the war. Right. You mm. you plan for war during peacetime. So the same kind of thing. You don't plan for a financial emergency in the midst of the emergency. You plan for it prior to it happening so that maybe you don't have an exponential amount of money or maybe you don't have your full deductibles, kind of like Blake was talking about in the beginning for insurance. but if you know you're going to need at least one hotel's night worth, you know, $100, that'll get you one night. You know what it's going to cost to feed your family for one day. If you had to eat three meals a day for one day, what would that cost you? So those small type of increments that you can start, I think is how you would start an emergency fund. Absolutely, It doesn't have to be anything grand. Just plan, if I had to, for one day, stay in a hotel, feed my family, put a full tank of gas in my car, what would one day of an emergency cost me? And I think if you start there and just every month when you do your budget, put one day's worth of an emergency fund and build it. Mm. And then eventually you can get to where you have a full month. Exactly. Or two. Exactly. You know, I think it's a good statistic that a lot of people say it's a good idea to have three to six months set aside. And that's that sounds like a daunting number. I mean, mm. if you cost if all of your bills on a regular basis cost twelve to fifteen hundred dollars, you're like, shoot, you mean to tell me I need to have seven to ten thousand dollars sitting aside? Where am I gonna get seven to ten thousand dollars from? You're gonna get it fifty dollars at a time right. over the next years worth of paychecks. You're going to start eventually getting that money built aside. But if you don't plan now, if you don't start putting aside that money now, then a year from now, you're going to be in the same situation. And if so, anytime when that that gap of window from now till your next emergency, you hadn't put anything aside, you're going to end up in a position where now, what do I do? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, something else is like, we don't know what we don't know. Um, and so, uh, some emergencies are, are surprises. We talked about natural disasters and, and medical, uh, emergencies, but, um, sometimes emergencies are self-inflicted yeah. emergencies, right? And Absolutely. kind of touch base on it a little bit is we got our priorities out of, out of whack and it, it created a financial emergency. Um, and then sometimes it's, it's just a combination, you know, in 21, uh, I had a combination of, of self-inflicted, um, some that I, I planned but didn't plan as well as I should, and then um, some was just a, a medical emergency. So what happened is we had our second child, February 21, uh, to prepare. We saved up for the medical expenses, um, but we also got – we were out of debt. We got back in debt for a new car to fit the growing family mm-hmm. members and 
then in July, both of the kids had RSV and were in the hospital. Wow. And so um, my wife didn't work for three months, um, but we we planned for that. So that softened the blow. Um, and then all of a sudden in, let's see, if July, it was about October, we got the medical bills. Yeah. And so when you pile the the no work, the medical expenses for the birth, for the RSV, um, and then the debt. I mean, all of a sudden, it was like that was our moment. We were like, we are, we are in an in emergency, and so we we had to change some things, and uh, we had a plan. It was about a nine month plan. Uh, six months got out of debt. Three months, um, we built the emergency fund back up, and so, yeah. uh, but. It, you know, some of it was self-inflicted. Like, did we really need that vehicle? Probably not, looking back on it. But at the time, you didn't expect, like, well, both kids being in um, and then those those medical expenses being a lot more than what you thought. Um, and so, you know, some things we plan on um, and we're like, we can we can afford that. Yeah. Right. We can we can extend or expose ourselves to some risk or credit, and then all of a sudden something else happens, and then it just becomes too much. Right. So tell me about that experience. What was that uh, wake up call moment like for you? Whenever that bill first arrived, you're like, "We don't have a plan for this." Yeah. Where is it going to come from? Where? How are we going to pay this? How did How did you got you and your wife handle that? Uh. I had to, I am normally in charge of the, the finances. And so she doesn't, she doesn't know unless I tell her. And so I had to tell her, I said, listen, we're, we're, we're not in good, good shape. Yeah. And, um, here's, here's our problem. Here's how much we're spending, right? Going back to the budget. Here's how much we're spending and here's how much we owe. Um, and here's how much we're bringing in. And, um, so when you just made it simple, it was like, okay, well, we got to do something. Right. Thankfully, we had an emergency fund. And so that sped up the, the paying out down the debt part. But um, it was uncomfortable. And uh, sometimes it takes that pain for you to make significant changes. Absolutely. And that's, that's what happened because I was like, I do not like this. The burden of uh, debt um, can really, really causes us to act fast. Yeah. Um, you know, I I find myself paying off debt faster than I do saving. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that burden of almost feeling like you're enslaved to it. You yeah. Know? It's like that car looking in the driveway is no longer fun to look at. You know? Right. It's like. Yeah, that, that literally happened to us recently too. We had, I had a car accident two months before my daughter was born and, um, it was a paid for car, zero debt. We're one hundred percent debt free, and then out of the corner of my eye, a flash of white spins me, and next thing I know, I'm needing to buy a car. I was in the hospital, had some medical bills from it too. We're trying to figure out what to do, but because we had an emergency fund, we were able to buy another car, and. We actually had enough of an emergency fund to be able to buy a car with cash. So it was nice. We didn't buy a super fancy one. We only paid like $8,000, but we were able to drop a car, drop cash and buy a car with cash, which felt so great. But here's the thing, that car over the next two years, we had so many problems with mm -hmm. it. It was about, we ended up spending about $7,000 in repairs on a car that we paid seven or $8,000 for. And so we ended up deciding Whenever they told us the next thing was going wrong was the transmission, it was going to be another four to $7,000 for a transmission. Like we're not dropping that much more money on a car we've already spent so much money on. So we decided we'd go buy another car. But what happened when we do, did that was we took on a debt for the first time in so long that it was, it was uncomfortable. You know, mm. we, were, we were in a financial situation where we had, a, had the ability to live debt-free for so long. So taking on that extra debt definitely hurt but just like you our goal is we're our goal is to is to pay it off as fast as fast as we can because because we know what it's like to not be in such a bind so we want to we want to get back to that point 
And so there's a lot of people today that they don't even know what that feels like. You know, they've gotten themselves in such deep of debt that when an, an emergency hits, not only they're dealing with the emergency, but now they're t dealing with, I'm not just going to lose my car, but I could lose my, my house. I could lose everything. So it's like people need to really understand the importance of an emergency fund and the importance of planning, as you said, Rochelle, planning for war during peacetime. Right. You know, that's such a vital thing that people don't actually consider these days. They think that if everything's going great, I don't have to do anything. But during those times of peace, during those times when things are going well, when your savings rates are high and your income is high and your bills are low, you need to be planning and setting aside money for these unexpected things. I mean, yes, it's great to go on vacation, but what happens if you spent all of your savings on vacation and you don't have anything to cover tires, you know, shoot right. tires in my car get really expensive. Yeah. So it sounds like the financial triage is, 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 you know, first making that emergency temporary. Absolutely. It's focusing on making sure that we stop the bleeding. So we have to look at what we're doing. We have our priorities in order to the point to where we can, um, if we need to cut something, Now's the time that we can make a cut and we know that what cut, what cuts we make are not going to affect us in the long term. We're about to go to commercial break for a minute. And whenever we come back, we're going to continue this discussion and get more into uh, the reality of how we make those cuts. So we'll be right back. Hi, I'm McKenna, and welcome to your 60-second 411. Tackling a stack of bills may feel like a challenge as you determine how to effectively allocate your income to pay everything on time. This is where prioritizing comes in handy. First, identify items that are essential living expenses, such as food and housing, and write them at the top of your list. Complete the list by adding everything you spend money on based on its level of importance. Once you have your priorities in order, sort expenses based on which pay period would be best to pay that item. For example, if a bill is due in the first half of the month, it would be a good idea to budget for that item using funds from the paycheck that arrives before the due date. Using a written budget with clearly defined priorities can keep you on track to achieve your short and long-term financial goals. Also, when the unexpected occurs, a prioritized spending plan can help you identify where you can safely reduce expenses without putting your livelihood in jeopardy. We hope this video helps you take control of your financial world. Be sure to check out our other videos for more insight on basic money management. Until next time, this has been your 60-second 411. Looking for a digital tool to manage your budget? Texas Bank & Trust's online financial management tool, MyOFM, can let you see all of your financial accounts in one secure location, as well as set budget limits and expense trackers to help you stay focused on your goals. MyOFM can be located inside the TBT mobile banking platforms on a PC and mobile device. Learn more at texasbankandtrust.com. All right, welcome back to our conversation about financial triage with Blake Bradshaw, my co-host, and Rochelle Carter, my guest. Now we're going to dive into a part of the discussion that is like, great, all makes sense that we need to plan for the future, but how do we do that? How do we prepare for the priorities that we're talking about? Like if we say we need to list our priorities and be able to manage them well, what exactly does that look like? So when we're dealing with a financial crisis, what are some of the things that people spend money on that may not necessarily be important that you don't really think about as just part of your daily life? You take it for granted, but maybe it's something that, you know, in a, in a crisis doesn't necessarily need to be spent. Well, I can speak from personal experience. One of the biggest financial crises that we've had to experience was a time period when my husband lost his job. And he was the, you know, he brought in the lion's share of the income at that time. And so that was a big emergency to us. But fortunately, at the time, we had two vehicles and he had a 401k savings account that we were able to use as a kind of float 
um, for us until he resumed working and got back on his feet. But for us, what we had to do was, okay, we've got two vehicles. Can we share one? Yeah. Um, And that was one of the things for us. We had to realize, okay, at the moment, we need to just do one vehicle and cut out the expense of paying car insurance for two and the upkeep for two vehicles. Um, We had to go back to learning as far as groceries go. Okay. How can you make a casserole that maybe you can eat two days on instead of one day? Right. Learning how to make our groceries stretch because at the time our sons were young and uh, young men eat a lot. (laughs) You cannot just give them uh, macaroni and cheese. Uh, Growing young men like meat with their macaroni and cheese. And so we learned a lot of crockpot meals. We learned a lot of casseroles. Um, because we had to find a way to take our grocery budget and stretch it. Yeah. Because what I could spend, where I could spend $150 a week on groceries, well, now I can only spend $75. Yeah. Um, and so once we got rid of the extra vehicle, that decreased how much we were spending on car insurance, which enabled us to be able to keep the lights and the other, you know, utilities going until he could get back, you know, working and we could resume life as normal. It took about three months, you know, even after, not three months until he got a job, but three months after he got a new job to kind of get back to where we could go to our original budget. Yeah. But because we had that budget and we had that blueprint already in place, we knew the things that we could immediately have turned off right mm. from the beginning that would give us money to go towards the bills that had to be paid rent had to be paid the one car still had to be paid the insurance had to be paid groceries still had to be bought but by knowing already what things could go cable immediately it could go um our entertainment fund it could immediately be cut in half and that's how we were able to survive another thing for us was being honest with your creditors yeah and so calling and getting an extension which is what we did we called we sold the one car um but we called and we got an extension for the other car payment yeah so that they would take a payment and put it at the end of your note that gave us 30 days right of a little bit of a cushion a little bit of breathing room So when you're in a financial triage, you kind of have to develop a strategy to get you through the temporary crisis. I want to go back to to Rochelle's um, story that she told and break it down, because I really think even though every emergency is really a case to case, there is a lot of similar things in Rochelle's emergency that are consistent in almost every other emergency. Absolutely. And so you talked about the un- being uncomfortable um, because this emergency can be temporary if you act fast, yeah. and act, act now, right? And, yeah. And it's amazing what we're capable of when we allow ourselves to be in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. And so uh, one of the things that she did is she identified her well she had help one spouse right back to the accountability partner or spouse and then also being honest with creditors right it's amazing what's available out there for you to help in emergencies but you've got to reach out and uh and then they identified the cost convenience comes at a cost yeah. it was probably more convenient for them to have two vehicles than one but was it necessary you know and and maybe not for that moment right yeah. and so um if we make financial emergencies temporary then we know that we're cutting the cost now but it could be a cost that we could pay later yeah but we want to get out of this uncomfortable situation by meeting it head on and then you know you address the other costs that are that are associated with convenience uh, I remember in, in college, 
my extracurriculars were my priority over food. Mm. Okay. So I would pay for uh, some extracurricular activities associated with school. And then I would go to Jack in the box and pay, you know, a dollar for two greasy tacos, Yeah, you know? And so I sacrificed my health. Yeah. Right. For what I thought was more of a priority. Yeah. And, but you didn't, even though you cut cost in food, you didn't sacrifice the, your health in those food, right? Yeah, you didn't, right. you didn't resort to cheap fast food. You just became more creative with the food. And sometimes when I talk about convenience and cost, we appeal to our taste buds, right? But those often cost more. Right. Right. And one of the things you just said, um, my children would have loved it if we would have just done the value menu yeah. versus uh, letting them know that, hey, you know, and we were upfront with our kids. Sometimes I think it's best to have an open, honest discussion with a family meeting and let them know this is what's going on at the moment. So we will not be doing the value meals for now. And um, you may not like um, casserole. But you will be full, you won't be hungry, and it actually will benefit all of us in the long run. And having those upfront and honest discussions, not just with creditors, first with ourselves, Tony and I had to just, we had to face it and come to the reality of where we were. And then we had to share with our children, because I think sometimes, especially when you have a young family, um, societal pressures but the pressure for your kids not to go without anything will cause you to do things that aren't really financially sound. But by being upfront and teaching them that this is why we're having to do this, it made it a little bit easier for them to understand that, yes, we're going to eat leftovers. My kids are not a big fan of leftovers, but they understood that for right now, this is what we have to do. And it was, you know, getting a McDonald's Happy Meal today, but they were going to be hungry after lunch just didn't make sense versus this casserole. It actually filled them up a little bit more. And so that's where you kind of have to just kind of come up with strategies uh, that will make your dollar stretch and learning that maybe we don't buy the name brand vegetables or you know whatever it is and you buy the store brand of whatever it is and learning to season it or you know do different things and letting them know this we're just going to do this for now but by doing this now that means when baseball season comes football season comes whatever the next big thing is it will still allow you to be able to participate and not miss anything yeah but you just have to have that discipline I think one of the most important things when you talk about priorities is identifying what is vital and what is, you know, easy to remove. We talked about that a little bit in the budgeting lesson, um, but let's go into that a little bit more specifically. Like, how do you establish categories for what is vital and what is something that can be removed. So I'm trying to go back to my experience when I had that financial triage. Yeah. And what I looked at were maybe some of the smaller items, the uh, cell phone bill, um, the cable bill, uh, some of the smaller recurring things that I could probably save, you know, $50 here and $50 there and kind of add it up. And so when I called my cable bill, I found out they had a new, um, a new plan that was half the cost. Uh, I lost my, my phone, uh, and I lost some channels, but I still had internet and it was actually a faster internet for, uh, it was like 60 bucks and I was paying 160 bucks. Mm -hmm. So I saved a hundred dollars a month wow. doing that. Yeah. Right. And these are all the things that I did right before I had the conversation with my wife, like, Hey, I, I try to squeeze every penny I could out of the things that we just 
find as convenient. Yeah. Now we're going to have to make some serious choices, you know? Yeah. And, and so there's some, there's a process that you take that you're like, am I really in an emergency right now? Or is it just, you know, I've got my spending out of whack, but then once you find out you're in an emergency, then it's like, okay, I need to look at my, what financial experts call my four walls. Yeah. Right. And that is, uh, your, your shelter, your food, your transportation, and your clothes. And you got, those are your four walls. When you're in survival mode, those are your four essential items typically for every person to survive and function. And so um, those are the essential items. Everything else outside of that could probably be cut for a temporary period of time. Right. Leisure, entertainment, or just convenience, time-saving items, right? Uh, laundry was one, you know, instead of paying my monthly laundry bill, I put my iron out and I started ironing my clothes, yeah. you know? And so it took me more time to prepare, but it saved me money. And, um, so I had to, I had to, I had to identify my essential items. Absolutely. I think that four walls that you just discussed is so important because a lot of people get confused on that. I know um, I've had some people who've been more worried about their credit score and making sure that their credit card payments are paid and then figuring out what to do for food and figuring out what to do for, for apartment. But as long as that credit score was remained good, they felt like they were doing okay. And it's like, maybe let's in the midst of an emergency, we have to look at your priorities and say, you know, if, if your credit card payment is, is late, but you have food on the table, which is which which is more necessary during an emergency? And as you said, talking to your creditors specifically and seeing if there's any grace period that you can have, or if there's a way that a payment can be evaluated and maybe shifted to the end of a uh, of a fixed term note or something like that, you can make some adjustments. And this is where having a relationship with your bank definitely comes in handy. Absolutely, absolutely. And being upfront with them, creditors they most of the time they're willing to work with you because you know they want that relationship they want to help you but nine times out of ten people are too embarrassed to let them know mm. that they're going through something and so they do not realize that there is help that can be provided or like you said you call and you find out there are a lot of loyalty rewards that cell phone companies, uh, internet companies that they will provide that are there for the asking. Mm -hmm. But because you don't take the initiative to call and find out because you're embarrassed that you're in this situation or you feel like, you know, it's raining and you just don't know how to stop the storm, um, you don't take the initiative to call and just have an upfront conversation. Um, Maybe instead of the late bills piling up on your credit card, call them and let them know you want them to cut it off, right. to close it out. And so therefore, it stops and you just have to pay it back. That is a temporary bump in the road. Um, maybe instead of waiting until they repossess your car, you go ahead and you turn that car back in. It's a temporary bump and it's going to be a bump on your credit, but it's one you can come back from because as Blake said, at the moment, we've got to concentrate on the four walls. We've got to make sure we have a roof, uh, transportation, food, and clothing, those four essential things. Everything else is a convenience. Absolutely. So, you know, looking at those type of things and having those very upfront and on honest conversations. Definitely. I know uh, we talked about this offline in our commercial break, but thinking about uh, um, when you when you put your, your priorities in order from most important to least important, and this is all part of the budgeting process we've discussed in the last episode, um, but as we go through this budgeting process and we have our priorities in order, if we've clearly laid them out, then in the midst of a financial emergency, you look at your priority list and it's easy to just say, okay, the five items at the bottom, 
you're gone. I'm sorry. That could be like a streaming service. That could mm. be an Amazon Prime account. That could be, um, you know, you're, you're going out to dinner money. Whatever it is, you look at your priority list and if there's things that you're in the midst of a financial crisis, remember this is temporary. We're not doing this as a permanent way of life. But here's the thing. You may realize after letting it go that you really didn't need it to begin with and you can live without it. My wife and I, I let go of cable. I let go of satellite whenever I was uh, trying to pay off my debt many years ago. We realized we don't need it. You know, we bought a $20 antenna and get as many channels as we like to watch most of the shows we like to watch are there. And if there's anything is anything else that we want to watch, we'll get a DVD or something like that. Or we may find it on a, there's so many free streaming services now that maybe it might be on one of those, mm. you know, it saved us a lot of headache and a lot of money not to do that. So it may be a financial crisis may help you realize that there's things that you've been buying or spending on that you didn't need in the begin with, didn't need to begin with. Yeah. You know, some of those cuts could hurt and yeah. uh, some of the the situations that happened that created that emergency could be painful and emotional. Yeah. How do you, how do you, uh, how do you keep from feeling hopeless during those times? That is tough. It is tough, but I think um, one of the things we talked about is trying to remove the emotion from it. Yeah. And so when you've already laid out a budget, Whenever the crisis happens, then you can think clearly instead of from a place of emotional and hopelessness. Um, I think one of the words that we keep using, too, is temporary. So if you understand that the crisis is temporary, maybe my finances are in what we would consider an ICU stage at this moment. But as long as we keep treating the problem, then the goal is to go from an ICU status to a regular room status, to, you know, maybe rehab, and then you're finally uh, well on your way again. Yeah. So I think that kind of takes out the hopelessness when you realize this is temporary and we can come back from this. Yeah. Um, And then having that blueprint ahead of time will keep you from being so overwhelmed, hopefully. The initial gut check that happens is painful, but that pain is temporary. And then you, you cry about it, you know, because sometimes financial situations and financial stressors, they bring you to an emotional breakdown. Sometimes, sometimes it's hard to admit to your kids that you're not going to be able to go on vacation or do the things that they're used to doing. And that's painful when you can't do it, but then wipe your eyes, you know, wipe your eyes, Put your head on straight and do it step by step, day by day, a little at a time. And I think uh, that's something that Aaron talked about, or you may have said it earlier, Blake, a little bit at a time. And before you know it, you'll have a big, you'll be way up the road. One of the things that to me also is important to remember when dealing with a financial crisis or any situation in life is you're not alone. Mm. It's so easy to feel isolated to feel that you're dealing with this by yourself and that your situation is so unique that nobody understands it. Yeah. I, from personal experience, know how that feels. And I know that is not true. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the reasons that why we're doing this conversation, we're sharing real hard stories from our lives is because we want our audience to know that you're not alone. We've been there. We're speaking, the things we're talking about, we're speaking from our own personal experience. And I know how, I know how it feels to feel that, you know, I screwed up so bad that there's nothing I can do to fix it. But then once you realize you're not alone, you realize that there's a way to get through it. It's not going to be easy at first, but once you put the effort into it, you will see light at the end of the tunnel. And then maybe you can be the one who's the voice of reason for someone else down the road. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the the joys I always got from sharing with student board of directors um, was sharing with young, young adults, teenagers that are coming out of high school to let them know that, you know, you can make it. 
you know, I've been there. Keep going. Don't stop. One of the blessings that came out of COVID was we were all in it together. All of us understood that the toilet paper shortage was everywhere. And in our department, we would say, hey, if you can't find any, let me know. I found a role or, you know, whatever the situation was, it was everybody giving to their neighbor because we were all in it together. And I think that also helps, like Aaron said, to know you're not alone. You're not the first person who's had an emergency, who's had to start again. Um, But don't let it depress you. Don't let it derail you. Know that there is hope and know that you can come back from it. Yeah, definitely. Any last thoughts you guys have for our audience? You know, life happens and uh, emergencies are going to arise. But if you, if I think if you approach it with the right mindset and knowing that that emergency or that um, part of life is going to help you build character, um, it'll help you um, see kind of the silver lining learning from those situations. Definitely. Definitely. Any last thoughts from you, Rochelle? This too shall pass. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's that's one of my favorite sayings. This too shall pass. And so don't let it bog you down. Definitely. And that is all the time that we have for today's discussion. Thank you, Blake and Rochelle, for being on the program with us today. In our next episode, we will continue this conversation about budgeting with a discussion about debt and spreading our income too thin. A phrase that I've sadly heard many others say is that after paying my bills, I don't have enough money to buy food. So what do we do when we have too many bills and not enough money? That is what we'll be discussing next time, so please come back and join us. And as always, remember the information that we discussed today is for informational and educational purposes only. Your financial situation may be different than someone else's, so please reach out to a trained professional in your area to go over your specific needs. This program is a production of Texas Bank and Trust and TBT Studios, member FDIC, equal housing lender. If you live within one of Texas Bank and Trust's markets, we would love to serve as your financial institution. If not, we still hope you found value in this program. Please consider liking and sharing our content to help others take control of their financial worlds. Until next time, remember, knowledge is power when it is shared between the T's. Thanks so much.